Matthew chapter 16, and it's verses 13 to 19. It says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the word of God. You may be seated. This morning we have a special guest speaker with us. Um, Darren Sullivan is Pastor Kyle's church planning coach through the Baptist Convention and the North American Mission Board. Uh, he's a native to Rhode Island, and Darren's going to share some of this as well. Um, but he served the Lord in the South for many years until recently moving back to assist church planners like Kyle and, and us here uh, in spreading the good news of Jesus in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Uh, he and his wife have been a great encouragement to our church and specifically Pastor Kyle and Mandy. And uh, please welcome him here this morning. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. It's good to be here. Everybody doing good? Yeah. Now, Kyle, I see that there is a countdown clock on here. Um, are you wanting me to stay on time or something? I mean, the Patriots are not playing today, right? So we can go on all afternoon, right? No, um, I'm just teasing, but uh, it's good to be here. Hey, before we get into the, the sermon this morning, I would ask um, uh, Pastor Kyle, I want him to come forward for a minute. So I know you're not, but come forward. And uh, I'm not sure if your I think your bride might be in uh, Seeds Ministry right now. Come on, give a big hand for Pastor Kyle, man. Looking good. Look at this guy, man. Where are you, where are you going, man? Where are you, where are you going? Uh, you, we're going to preach for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm just going to read and you're going to preach. Now, hey, what I wanted to do is I wanted to pray for Pastor Kyle. And uh, I'm asking a few of the leaders to come up. So I uh, mentioned this to Mark and uh, any of the other leaders in the church here. Uh, it's so important that we pray for the leaders of our church. And um, uh, Pastor Kyle, you guys are uh, celebrating this weekend, right? Anniversary? Ten years. Come on now. That's a miracle right there, man. He's with you for 10 years. Come on now. No, man, we're, we're, so, we're so happy for you guys. So um, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and lead us in prayer and congregation, if you would just agree, and then we'll pray for Pastor Kyle. Father, thank you so much for Kyle, uh, this wonderful brother in Christ. And um, I met him several years ago, God, but uh, uh, God, you brought me back here, and our paths have intersected again. And uh, Lord, I, I just pray right now, uh, just the peace that surpasses all understanding, rest, God, grace, mercy, God, love, Father God, you're so good. And God, I thank you that he has the opportunity with his bride to just celebrate this weekend and to step out of the pulpit and worship and all the things that just pull every single week to lead an incredible, awesome church here in Warren, Rhode Island. So God, I pray for him right now. I pray for his marriage. I pray for his family, his wonderful kids, God. God, would you continue to pour out your blessings on him, God? 
I pray that he would just continue to keep his eyes and his family focused on you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, as we pray up here for these incredible men that are surrounded. I know that there's more leaders here in the church because Kyle shared that with me. But God, would you continue to raise up men and women of God who can lead the different areas of this church, God? And God, it's not Kyle's church. It's your church. And you said you will build your church. But you've chosen Kyle to lead this church here in Warren, Rhode Island for such a time as this, God. So I pray that you would continue to work in him and work through him, God. And let him have a great day today, God. Let him just sit and receive, God. Let him not look at what's, what needs to be improved or anything. Because I know as a leader, God, so many times we look at those things. God, let him just focus on you, Jesus. Bless Mandy. Bless their children. Let them have a great afternoon today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap one more time for Pastor Kyle. Man, you're getting too skinny for me. Love you, Love you man. Well, look at it, look at it, he's, start, he's starting it right there, come on. See, I backed it down to 35 minutes, so. Well, God bless you guys, it's so good to be here. Um, like Mark said, my name is Darren Sullivan, and I currently am employed with uh, the North American Mission Board. Uh, it's one of our uh, missions, national mission organizations um, in the, the Baptist uh, Convention, and um, uh, real quick before I get into the word here, I want to kind of give you a, a little synopsis of my background. I'll share my testimony here in the message. Oh, there's Mandy. God bless you too. We were going to pray over you, but you were taking care of it, so you're good. But um, <laughs> you're with Kyle, so he's you know he he can pray for you too. But um, uh, I grew up here in Rhode Island, and I grew up as just a Catholic kid. Didn't know anything different. I grew up in Coventry, Rhode Island. Was born in Providence. Grew up in Coventry. And uh, did the Catholic thing as a kid. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Just didn't know anything different. Kind of anybody else? Any any other witnesses here? Okay, I know. Yep. Hey, we're in the right place, right? And um, uh, went to Catholic school, high school in Providence. And uh, after a couple years at uh, Harvard on the Hill or Community College of Rhode Island, I should say in Warwick, there. Uh, and that's where my grades got me. Um, uh, two years of that blessing there. And then I just, I didn't know what God would, I mean, it wasn't like I was serving God, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at the ripe old age of 19, 20, 20 years old, about to be 21. And I probably looked at all the different military branches three and four times, and then one thing led to another, and I ended up going in the United States Navy. The U.S. Navy took me to Jacksonville, Florida. I served in the Navy for four years there. Great time in the Navy. And uh, decided it was uh, four years was enough, got out as an E5, and just said, hey, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go back to college. I got the GI Bill, and I'm going to go, and, you know, great, and great plans. But I knew that something was missing in my life. And I had grown up going to church. I had been sitting in the seats or the pews, you know, and, and, and there was my mom, and there was my brother, myself, and my dad sometimes would come, sometimes wouldn't, you know, just whatever was going on. And, of course, it was kind of like this. Like, my mom would separate my brother and me because, you know, we'd be picking on each other, and I'd be sticking my finger in his ear, and he'd slap me upside the head, and she'd slap us. And she'd give us that, that look. You know the look? It was one of those. Like, after she hit you upside the head three or four times, it was like, oh, yeah, the wrath of mama is coming, and you better straighten up. But that's all I knew. That's all I knew about church. I, I, I went to the church, and there was the priest, and... And, and, 
and the, the crucifix and, and okay, Jesus. And I, I never had really read the Bible. We, we hear the gospel every week and a, a reading from the Old Testament, New Testament. But all of a sudden, here I am, 21 years old, 22, 23 years old now, a couple years, and I'm in Jacksonville. And something's missing in my life, and I start visiting churches. And I visited a couple different churches. I visited to a, um, a Presbyterian church. I visited uh, an Episcopal church, and I was kind of like, what is an Episcopal church? And somebody said, oh, it's just like Catholic. It's just JV Catholic or something. I was like, all right, cool, I can do that. I understand Catholic, so JV might be a little bit quicker. We'll get out of there a little bit faster. Well, anyways, I ended up going to a couple of churches. I visited a Baptist church, and everything was really cool there. When I walked in, um, they, were, they were worshiping God, very genuine, honest people there. I could tell, you know, friendly like here, people shaking your hands. I really hadn't seen that before in the church. And everything was good until the baptism came up. And all of a sudden, there's this baptism part. So now they sing a few songs, okay? It wasn't some person on a pipe organ or anything. It was guitars. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, they say, hey, we'd like you to sit, and we want you to understand that we're going to baptize a few people. Now, mind you, I grew up in the Catholic Church. Now, what do you do in the Catholic Church? It's just kind of the sprinkle, right? There's a little baby, we call it a christening, and, you know, you get dressed up, and, and the priest comes over there, and there's a lot of crying by the baby. Well, all of a sudden, behind me up there, this is one of these old-school Baptist churches, right? They, they pull back this curtain, which was kind of creepy in itself. I was like, what, Johnny, Johnny Carson coming out here or something like that? What's going on? <laughs> and so this guy comes out in this white robe, and he's got four or five kids there, and I don't know, maybe 12, 13, 14 years old, and they, they go through whatever they say and everything, and then the, the guy who's baptizing, okay, I hadn't seen this before, he takes a big old handkerchief, and he puts it, and he kind of, it's almost like he slaps it, and it's like, and I'm sitting there, and I'm serious, I'm not kidding you, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Are they going to kill this kid? Am I in a cult? What is going on here? And and I I was taken aback. I was freaked out by it, to be honest with you. I'm like, how long is he going to hold them under there for? I mean, I was a lifeguard for a few years. I mean, you know, but there was something. And that was, you know, again, they went down the line in three or four, and I was like, okay, you know, nobody died. Thank goodness. Okay, that's what they do here. Baptism. They use the word baptizo, which means to immerse, to fully dunk under and everything. I started to learn that. The following week, I went to another church. It was a non-denominational church, and they were in a set-up and tear-down environment. And I'll never forget walking in there, and I'm like, okay, this is an elementary school. This isn't church. This is different, right? It's, 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 not, a, it's not a church. I thought it was a building. Anyways, the pastor was preaching after we did some great praise and worship, and he was preaching out of the book of Philippians. And I can remember just hearing the word of God for the very first time. And I'm following along. We had sermon note packets just like you, uh, a worship guide, just like you guys give out here. I had a Bible. I was checking with the scriptures on the screen. And the whole time I'm sitting there and I'm leaning in and God's doing something in my heart. And I'm 25 years old at the time, I think it was now. And I'm like, there is a missing void. And I don't know what it is, but God, I need you to fill that void. And sure enough, at the end of the message there, the pastor did what's called an altar call. And I, again, I didn't know what an altar call was. I knew what an altar was 
being an altar boy for a couple years and seeing that in the Catholic Church. And he said this. He said, with every head bowed, every eye closed, he said, I want you, if you want Jesus in your life and you want to surrender your heart to Jesus, I want you to just raise up a hand. And as my head was bowed, my eyes were closed, and I was really leaning in, I lifted up my hand, and I said, yeah, I want that. And then he went on, and he said something else. He said, if you raised your hand, he said, I want you to get up out of your seat and to come down to this altar. Now we got a problem, because I'm not doing that. Uh Uh-uh. No, I'm not doing that. Okay, yes, I feel God. I sense God. I got the goosebumps and everything, right? I feel good about what I'm doing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with my head bowed, my eyes closed, and it's kind of one of these things, you know. You know when the, the, the preacher says, bow your heads and close your eyes and nobody looking around, we kind of do this, you know. It's like, we look out of that one corner, we want to see, you know, like, oh, is there a hand up behind me or is that preacher just saying amen, amen, you know. <laughs> and I wasn't going to go forward. And I was stubborn, I was in my heart. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God, not in a weird way or anything, just the presence of God, it was like I was sitting there in my seat, leaning forward like this. And I made it up in my mind that I'm not going forward. And it was just like a gentle pair of hands just gently pushed me out of my chair to come down to the altar and to really just to surrender my heart to God. Now, there was other people there, and I'll never forget what the pastor said. He said, listen, he said, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's what's in your heart. Because we've all, you know, different versions of sinner's prayer, you know. He said, I want you to repeat these words after me. And then I prayed that prayer. And he said, listen, I need you to do three things. And this is how we're going to get into the message this morning. He said, number one, he says, I want you to begin to read your Bible. He said, you know, you have Old Testament, you have New Testament. We have a free copy of the New Testament. Therefore, you can get to the Old Testament later. But I want you to start in the book of John the Gospel of John. And he said, I want you to read just one chapter a day. There's 21 chapters in the book of John. You can do that in 21 days. 21 days, it says that it takes to establish a habit in our lives. I need you to get in the habit of reading the Word of God. So that's the first thing I started to do. He said, okay. He said, the second thing is I want you to start attending on a regular basis. I understand life happens and you can't be here every single Sunday. But he said, I want you to commit to the local church. And he says, I want you to get into a Jesus-centered Bible-preaching church. And he said, if this is the church for you, great. We'd love to have you. We have a membership class or welcome class. But there's other great churches in this area. I can recommend one of them to you. So I felt good about the pastor. Now he wasn't manipulating me to just come to his church. And then the third thing he said this, he said, he said, now, what's most important? He said, you know, reading the Word of God, attending church on a regular basis, making it a priority in our lives. He said, what? What also can happen and what can shipwreck our faith is our friends. He said, I want you to take an inventory of the friends that you have around you. Now, obviously, we have family and we have coworkers, right, that we can't get away from, okay? Sometimes we'd like to. But he said, I want you to take an inventory of your friends. He said, when you evaluate those people in your life, he said, you need to ask the question of these people. Is that relationship in your life bringing you closer to God Or is that relationship in your life pushing you further from God? And it was a penetrating question because I had to go from going out on Friday nights to saying, you know what, I'm good, pass. I don't want to be a part of that anymore to saying, you know what, I got to be fresh for the weekend because I'm serving in my local church. Big, big difference. And of course, you know, I had all the questions and 
it was just like, what? What are you doing, Sullivan? Why? You're not going out with us on Friday night? No. Why not? Well, you know what? I, I would say the phrase that I found Jesus, but Jesus was always pursuing me. And so when I learned that really all I had to do was just turn and Jesus was right there, my life started changing. Amen? And that's what I love about this passage of Scripture here that we read this morning. And it says this here. And we read this and it says, he asked Simon Peter. He asked them all, he said, but who do you say I am? Because the previous answer was what? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, and others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So they had a knowledge, right? The disciples had a knowledge. But then he says, Simon Peter replied, after Jesus said, but who do you say I am? He personalized it. Not them, but who do you? Who do you? Who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I want you to see this here in the Scripture, here in verse 16. It says, you are the Christ. So Jesus is, Christ is not his last name, amen? Okay, the Christ, the Christ means the anointed one. So what Simon Peter, the fisherman, the, 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 the fisherman who just, you know, open mouth, insert foot, just loud and brash and, you know, just everyday common guy. He says this, he receives this revelation and he says, you are the Christ, the, the anointed one from God. Not only does he say, oh, you're just a good man. You're a prophet. Then he says what? He says, you are the son of the living God. And how many of you know today in the religions all around the world, many claim to be the one who comes in the name of our great heavenly king, father. But none of them can say that they are the Christ and that they are the son of the living God. Amen. See, because Jesus is the only one who came to this earth and who went to the cross and he died for us. And not only did he die for us, he went to the grave. But three days later, why we celebrate Easter, but we really celebrate that every day, is that he rose from that grave. And he's a living savior for you and I to follow. And he doesn't force his will on us, amen? I thank you, Jesus, that you gave me the time to search out my life and to say, you know what? I need you in my life. I need you. I need your word. And I need your local church in my life. And so right when that time was right for me, I turned and he was right there. And I said, Jesus, I don't know anything. I I just know something's missing and I need you in my life. So let me give you a little context here and then I'll give you a few things here about the church. And then we'll uh, take communion and head on home. Um, But what's going on here in this particular passage is Um, Jesus has been preaching for about three years now, and he's been going out throughout the whole uh, area of Israel, and he's been preaching about the coming kingdom of God and showing people God's love everywhere. And so just before what would become his final journey to Jerusalem, Jesus took the disciples to the far north of Israel, and he brought them to a place called Caesarea Philippi. So if you look at a map of Israel, it's kind of like a a rectangle almost. There's the, the Mediterranean Sea, And then right here, there's the port of Caesarea. But if you get to the far northern part of Israel, you'll see a place that's called Caesarea Philippi, which was its Roman name, okay? But in Old Testament times, this region 
was called Bashan. So, so, so what we need to understand here is that they're going to, Jesus took his disciples and he said, all right, let's go up north before he goes down south, before he goes to the cross, the final journey. And he takes them to this place called Bashan. Well, what you need to know about Bashan, it's spelled B-A-S-H-A-N. Bashan was considered the gateway to the realm of the dead or the gates of hell. And where we know that is from is, 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 is if we go a little bit further, Caesarea Philippi, it's situated at the foot of Mount Hermon. So there's a rock, a big mountain called Mount Hermon. And this place in Jewish thinking was where the sons of God came to earth in the rebellion described in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We don't have time to get into that today, but you can go back to there. There's a lot of mystery and misunderstanding about that passage. We can't study that out today. Maybe sometime down in the future we will, but there was this rebellion. And so this place was considered the realm of the dead or the gates of hell. So in a nutshell, in Old Testament times, Bashan and Mount Hermon were ground zero for basically the evil cosmic powers. This is the place where bad people hung out. <laughs> I mean, just to get, not to get all weird or anything, this is it. And I don't know what we would liken that to here, but I don't even want to, you know. This was the bad place. And so the identification of the rock that Jesus says here in this passage, because he says upon this rock, has been referred to, has been debated for centuries. We've heard different things time and time again. The rock of revelation. Peter was the rock. You know, some, obviously we go into the Catholic faith there. and Peter was the first pope and he built the church on, you know, Peter. And it's just like, wait a minute, we have to make sure that we have our theology correct here. Because, see, Jesus didn't build his church on any one person. Jesus built his church because God sent him into this earth. And it's his church because it says it right here. So, so Caesarea Philippi, it sits at the far northern region. We said that in the Old Testament times. It was the realm. Caesarea Philippi is at that base there. The rock is that mountain, Mount Hermon, the gates of hell. So what Jesus was actually doing... He was standing here after he said, who do the people say I am? Well, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, you know. And, and then he said, no, no, who do you say I am? And then Peter, we love Peter, right? He steps up and he says, you are the son of God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Big, big, we, we, have to, we have to catch this right here, church. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter. Old Testament prophets didn't reveal. My Father in heaven, through the power of His Holy Spirit, revealed this to you. Through, and again, however you follow God with that, sometimes it's like you have an impression, a still small voice. Sometimes people say, God speaks to me really loud. I can't say that for you, but He did give us His Holy Spirit. When he went back to heaven, because he said he's not going to leave us alone. But here in this passage, and he says, I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock, this rock right here, Mount Hermon, this rock where the gates of hell, where just the cosmic power. And he says, I will build my church. And then he says, what? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's almost like he's taunting the devil before he says, okay, now we got one more thing to do. Let's turn and let's go south. And i got to go to the cross. Because, see, we see a few scriptures later. He goes on and he says, 
There's many things that ha must happen to the Son of God. And then what happens to Peter? He says, no, 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 far be it, Master. No, no, you're not going to go to the cross. We would never let those things happen to you. No, you, we, we'll take care of you. We're, we, we got you. We got your back. And what does Jesus say? He says, get behind me, thee, Satan, for you're not thinking my thoughts. You're a hindrance to me. Now, he wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was calling the spirit that was coming on him. And he was saying, that's not God's plan. I like your great intentions. Thank you that you got my back, but that's not God's plan. I got to go to the cross. Let's go. And that's where we understand why we need the church. And I titled this message, Jesus is still building his church. You know, people have all kinds of ideas and feelings about the church. Some good, some bad, sometimes really ugly. You know what I'm talking about, right? We've heard these words like the church is irrelevant. The church is boring. The church is hypocritical. Come on, you ever heard that one? I mean, if I had a dollar for every time we've heard that one, we'd be retiring in the Cayman Islands. The church is fake. Well, here's the, here's the reality of that. That's because we know the church as it has been shaped for a couple thousand years by human management, right? God uses imperfect people to lead the church. Imperfect people. And the fact is, is that the church shouldn't really be here, humanly speaking. But somehow the church has survived. And we don't ever, ha ever have to question that because, again, if we go to the last page here, what happens? Jesus wins. And when you're on Team Jesus, we win. So, now, there's all this great stuff out there. Fox News, CNN, whatever your pain of poison is, whatever you choose to watch, right? Oh, the church is just not, it's, it's not growing and it's, and it's shrinking and, 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 and this, that, and the other thing. It's just like, you know what? This has been going on for years and years and centuries and, you know. I understand we live in an increasingly secular society. I get that. I get that. I did missions overseas in Europe, and you think it's bad here now? Just wait. It's going to get a whole lot worse, and I'm not trying to say gloom and doom, but here's what I can stand on. I can stand on this passage of Scripture right here in the Word of God that Jesus said he will build his church, and the gates of Hades will never prevail. In other words, win, close it down, shut it down, turn it over, and say, you know what? The church is nowhere near. He said, the church will prevail the gates of Hades are going to come all up against it we're in a spiritual battle that we can't even fathom sometimes just to get to church this morning there was a spiritual battle for many people I guarantee you that but if we go deeper into that I understand you know we're all in different seasons and stages of life the church Jesus his bride who he died for is going to prevail. And so I want to tell you this morning five things real quickly here why we still need the church today. First of all, what we need to understand is that that word church, the word church is a transliteration of the Greek word of ecclesia or ecclesia. Depends on where you come from and how you say that. Ecclesia, which is really a compound word. And it comes from the word ek, which means out of, and kaleo, which means to call. So the church is really a body of people who are called out, or another word is assembly, the assemblage. This is the church right here. Whether we had a building here, whether we were outside, whether we were in a set-up and tear-down environment, in a high school, middle school, 
The church is the body of Christ. We're the called out ones from the world around them for God's purposes. For God's purposes. And see, we can step on toes here a little bit and we can say, you know what? The church is not about us. And, you know, here's the thing. Jesus died for us. Okay, but then we get into the whole thing about preferences and, you know, size and and style and everything. And I think that's wonderful because, you know what? It takes many churches to reach many, many people. Amen. See, there's not a one size fits all in the church of Jesus Christ. There's just not. That's what the great thing about it is. There's some crazy and wild churches. As long as they got good uh, theology, that's okay. They're a little bit more expressive. There's some very contemplative and quiet churches. That's okay. God uses leaders in their personalities to reach all kinds of people. So I'm so excited about this church here and Pastor Kyle's vision. And the church has been going on. I got a chance to talk to a few of the leaders here and a few of the people that have been here uh, from the beginning. And just to hear some of the stories about when the church started a little over four and a half, five years ago and was meeting in somebody's uh, living room and to see where it is now. man, that's an awesome testimony. But I want to give you a quick uh, definition of what I believe the church is based on Scripture. This one isn't in the PowerPoint, but I want to get to this real quick. And this is kind of something that I've been using for the last few years. And it says this. It says, the church is the body of Christ. We're the church, a spiritual family, because we believe church is family. When you're born again into the church, you're born again into a family, a spiritual family of redeemed people who have experienced, watch this now, reconciliation with God and with each other. That's what the church is right there. And who are empowered by God's spirit to share the good news or the gospel about Jesus with the rest of the world. One more time. The church is the body of Christ. A spiritual family of redeemed people. Who have experienced reconciliation with God. And each other. And who are empowered by God's Holy Spirit. To share the good news about Jesus. With the rest of the world. So as we look at this a little bit deeper here. There's really two passages of scripture. In the New Testament that spell out. Jesus' will for his church. And the first one here is the Great Commission. You've all heard this before, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, to the end of the earth. See, Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit. He's not going anywhere. That's why the church wins, right? That's why the church wins. And then here, the Great Commandment, is this Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. And he says this, and this is again, he was being tested. And he said, Jesus answers, he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And he doesn't end there. He said, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than these. See, if we can sum it up like this, yes, we got to call out sin. I understand that absolutely 100%. Jesus loves the sinner. He doesn't love the sin lifestyle, right? Amen? We can get into a whole deeper thing on that. But really what Jesus is saying is if you can walk in this, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, you are set up to be a New Testament church. Now, we got to get doctrine and theology in there, yes. 
But see, I think Jesus really kept it simple for us. And too many times we try to understand when in the book of Revelation, we have these charts here and I've seen them on TV and there's some crazy stuff out there. Guys, oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. But there's these charts of when Jesus is coming back and uh, the beast of Revelation and this, that. And it's just like, can we just be the church out there in the community and love God and love our neighbors? And lead them. It's the goodness of God that leads people to what? Repentance. There is a thing called repentance. Repentance means what? Turn. It means you're going this way and you're following your way. And it's just like, I got to repent and I got to turn and I got to do it God's way. But it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So real quick here, five things. And these are on the PowerPoint here. Five reasons why. We still need the church today. Number one is that it's the place where we gather together. It's the place we gather together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And, not, and let us consider how to stir up one another and to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's in the church where we learn to love our neighbors not the church building. We gather together to worship corporately. But we need to understand, he's telling us in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, he said, don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. Come together. Come together in church and worship together. You need other people in your life. Other people need you. We need one another. You and I were created by God to be in community. Amen? Listen, one of the number one things that's killing people in the world today is loneliness. Loneliness. You go overseas, over into Europe. Uh, and we did missions over there several years ago in Athens, Greece. And I would hear that, you know, people are so lonely. People are so lonely. There's, we're, we're, we're more connected now than ever before when it comes to technology and Facebook and our phones and everything. But yet more people are dying because of loneliness. And the church is one of the antidotes for that, amen? When we're in community, now it doesn't mean that we're going to get along all the time and everything's going to be roses and lollipops, amen? You know, it's just like, I, one, one guy said to me, he said, uh, you know, I, I, I've been to the church and it's just like, I just, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And I said, listen, I, I hear what you're saying, but let me, let me repeat back to you. And tell you what I believe you are saying. And it's like this. It's like you're saying that I love Jesus, but I don't love his bride. It's the same thing with me and you. For those of you who are married in here. And if people said, hey, Darren, you know what? I, I, I like hanging out with you. Or, or we like hanging out with you. And, and I, my wife is not here. She's with my other son today at another commitment. But it's like, hey, but we just don't like hanging out with your wife. I mean, think about that for a second. Oh, yes. Okay, well, you know what? I'll just put her aside there. We don't need, I don't need her. And you know what? Just show up. And I get it. Those people, they irritate you. My wife, she irritates. That's what we say when we say things. I love Jesus, but I don't necessarily love or like the church. And see, when we come together, we grow together. We gather together. And not only do we do weekend worship services, but we do church on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and things called what? Community groups. Seven to 15 people, give or take, it just depends. 
where we sit in circles instead of rows, where we practice authenticity and vulnerability and transparency. Community groups. Somebody said to me one time also the same thing about groups. Yeah, I went to a small group. I tried it one time, and I don't like them people. I was just like, all right, sounds good. Did you ever think it might be you? Oh, no, we ain't going to go there. And then I was just like this. I said, I said, hey, have you ever gone out to a restaurant and you had either bad food or bad service? And like, yeah. I said, well, did you just toss off eating altogether then? It's the same thing with community groups. Folks, I know. I've been into some really weird community groups. I've seen them. Pastor Kyle was there at two of them. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. But listen, you're going to run into that in this life. We rub each other the wrong way so many times. That doesn't mean that we can just push off and put aside the bride of Christ, his church. Amen. The more we grow in love for him, the more we understand, you know what? Yes. Listen to me. I love reading my Bible and getting more knowledge and getting that, you know, the revelation, this, that, and the other thing. But the more I'm like, God, I need patience today and I need to love your people the way you love them. And that's unconditionally. So we gather together. Second one is we glorify God together. We glorify God together. Psalm 34, verse 3, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The church gathers to celebrate our most honored guest, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit himself. The guest of honor in this room today is not me. I might be the guest speaker. The guest of honor is not Kyle, Pastor Kyle. The guest of honor is Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit and God the Father. Amen. Because this is his church. And he can do what he wants with it. And he works that through imperfect human hands. But he is the guest of honor. We glorify him together when we come together. We learn to love him with all of our hearts in the community of the church. We sing together. Listen, I need your out-of-tune singing just as bad as you need mine. Amen? I need that. I need that in my life. I remember just when I first started going to church, and I don't know, it was kind of, they're they a little bit happy-clappy at this church, which was whatever. And... Um, you know, I heard some people that would sing really good. And then there were some people that were horrible. And I would try to move and sit in different locations each week. And sure enough, somebody would sit right behind me. And they're just worshiping as loud as they can in my ear. And I'm like, you're killing me. And God said, you need that because I want to grow patience in your life. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Let's glorify God together. We sing together in the church when we gather together. Number three, the third thing is this, is that we grow together. It's a place where we grow together. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, the Apostle Paul's writing this to the church at Ephesus. says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, he says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom, what, the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Look at those words there, grow. Together. The body. This is who the church is, the mission of Jesus, the church. We grow together. We learn and grow from each other. I need you to challenge me and share with me how God is growing you. 
Because here, to, to be honest with you, hearing stories of other people's faith inspires me. Moving away for several years, it was 20 plus years, and I moved down south, and you know the story, there's a church on every corner, just like there's a Dunkin' Donuts in every corner, okay? But it doesn't mean they're in a live church, a lot of dead churches, a lot of cultural Christians there, okay? But when I hear, um, when I hear, you know, stories of people that I heard this morning from Roland about planting churches and doing things back in the 70s and 80s, that inspires me. Because see, when I left here in 1991, as a Catholic kid, I didn't know that there was such thing as church outside of the Catholic Church. So now I'm back here, and every single week on my travels and when I have meetings with people, I get a chance to sit down and probably meet somebody new two or three times a week. And I hear and I say, tell me your story. And then I get to share my story. But I want to hear theirs first. And it inspires me because sometimes I'm walking away discouraged. I mean, I'm walking into the meeting discouraged. I'm like, man, is anything, you know, what, where are we at here? But yet God always brings his grace and he gives me somebody. We grow together. I grow when I hear other people's stories. Number four is this, is that it's a place where we give together. Second Corinthians 9 verse 7 is this. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We serve God by serving other people. We grow from consumers into contributors. We invest not only our time, our talent, and our treasure, and we all benefit from each other. This is called ministry. And every member is a minister in some respect or a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, depending how you uh, use that word, minister. But serving teams, right there on uh, Refuge um, Church website, it says God created you to make a difference in the lives of others. I know I understand sometimes we feel like we don't understand everything in this and we got to sit in church and we got to learn more and we got to hear more and you know what, I'm not sure if it's there. It's just like God created us to be in community and to serve one another. There's serving opportunities all over the church. We have hospitality, kids ministry, seeds, kids ministry. Incredible, raising up the next generation. The next generation. You, once a month or whatever the, 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 the commitment is that you can put in, it, you can deposit something of faith into that next generation. The youth ministry that meets on, I think they said Wednesday nights or something. I mean, that's awesome. There's not a whole lot of youth groups in Rhode Island, but you guys have one here. The worship team, musicians, vocalists, community outreach. You have a great opportunity next week with the trunk or treat coming up and everything. And Kyle shared several stories of that and also the Easter egg hunt. Great opportunities to serve. But we serve the community for the betterment of the community. Amen? And we do it in the name of Jesus. And then number five, I'm closing with this here, is that not only do we gather together, glorify God together, grow together, and we give together, but we go together. Matthew 28, again, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in verse 19, it says, Go therefore, as you are going, properly translated, as you are going about your life, your day, and everything else, I want you to make disciples. I want you to make disciples. You know, you don't have to know the whole book to make a disciple, amen? God will show you how to do that along the way. You just have to be willing. When I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus, and I felt this strong call to get out of sight, I transitioned from the Navy. I went into the business world and uh, started making some decent money. But again, I said the void was there. And um, 
I was like, you know, okay, now I'm saved. I understand what that means. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the word. And I thought that for me to sit down with another believer or to share my faith, I need to know Genesis through Revelation. Now, I'm on a plan. I'm on a Bible reading plan, right? I'm getting a steady diet of the word of God inside of me. But God's like, no, no, no. I can use you right where you are at. Just be willing. I'll give you the words. I'll give you and just surrender that to me. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to step out in faith. And sure enough, I said, God, just show me one, just one. Too many times we say, oh, we got to make disciples, and we think, like, we have to have this discipleship group. And if God blesses you that way, God bless you. But we got to have 12 people right off the bat, right, because there's 12 disciples, 12 tribes. we got to have 12, right? It's just like, no, God, just give me one. Is there one person at work in my family, in my neighborhood, in my community that I can start encouraging with the word of God? And see, what it really comes down to is this, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. And again, it's not about the size of the church, amen? Small churches, medium churches, large churches, everybody has a different preference. But at the end of the day, there's either lost people or there's saved people. And every single one of us, you know what we are? We're either a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And God has chosen you for this time to not just come and to sit and to listen. He's chosen you so we can come together and hear the word of God together and glorify God together. But he wants to use you to reach those lost sons or daughters that are out here in these communities that you have access to and you have connections to. See, where his hands and feet. God's not going to force his will on us. Ultimately, at the end of the day, when he's ready to wrap it all up, he'll come back, yes. We don't know when that is. But from the time we get saved to the time that we go home to be with our Heavenly Father, we have the opportunity to reach those and to share the good news with those that don't know that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for them. God wants to use you. We go together. And I'm sure that there's other Stories, I've heard a few of them from Pastor Kyle about missions and what this church does, but that'll be for another day, of course. So let's pray right now as we get ready to take communion. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for uh, these people here, God, and thank you for your word here in Matthew. God, how you said, Jesus, you will build your church. It's your church, Jesus. Thank you for Pastor Kyle and Mandy and their leadership here, their faithfulness in serving. And God, I thank you for all the leaders here that just do an incredible job. And God, as we close out today, God, would you take this one word, use it, God, penetrate our hearts with it, Lord, and let us put this word into action, God. I pray for every person right now as we're praying, God, who is that one? Who's the one that we can just, whether it's a scripture Say, I, I, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to church. Whatever it is, God, I pray right now, myself included, who is the one that you want us to reach out to? We give you all the praise, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.